0: Thank you. Mystery and terror by Radio's Masters of the Microsoft. Story where is supernatural, the supernormal, dramatized by fact a mystery, the unknown. We tell you this frankly. Right, right? So if you wish to avoid the exciting intention of these magnetic the lady, we heard you our sincerely turn off over. This is the horror. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Saturday. Our story comes from Beyond Midnight This Week, South African series that aired from November of 1968 to April of 1970, produced 78 episodes. Our story today is from January 24th, 1969. It's titled, Lansford House. I came into possession of the Lansford House through the accident of my uncle's death. My inheritance from him enabled me to buy it, for it was the isolated kind of dwelling I'd been looking for in order to finish a novel I was working on. I've always found it impossible to create anything worthwhile in the noise of the city. The house was fully furnished, but since it had been empty for many years, it was extremely dusty, and I spent my first day cleaning away the dust in the few rooms I intended to use. Lansford house. I remember the place as if it were only yesterday I discovered the green vase, learnt its terrible secret, and passed so nearly through the veil that separates sanity and the madness that lies beyond midnight. (coughs) Biotech, the new soap and pre-wash powder presents Beyond Midnight by Michael McKay. Lunsford House. The agent hadn't been enthusiastic. I got the impression that he didn't much care whether he sold me the place or not. About Lanceford house, Mr. Royd. It's very big, of course. It was built and big in those days. If it wasn't so strongly built, it would have fallen to pieces years ago. A house needs to be cared for. Leave it empty. <laughs> hmm. Well, it's what I'm looking for. Nicely back from the road, surrounded by trees. Not a lot of trees, yeah. Fields, pastures. It's hard to find somewhere without any close neighbours these days. Clark, show you There's a place in um, mm. Feltham. I want to buy Lanceford. You do? I do. Well, then, uh, nothing else I've known. No. Right, sir. You uh, write books, you said. I write books, yes. When can I take position? Today. Oh, marvellous. I'm halfway through a book at the moment, you see. I've been stuck for weeks. I need peace. What? No? For five days after moving in, I worked from five in the morning right through the day until it was dark. The book progressed beautifully. I was even thinking of who the film rights should go to when I hit another dull patch. Nothing. I destroyed a few thousand words and left the typewriter until a possible return of inspiration. I was fairly satisfied there, and it was with a lot of pleasure that I began to examine more carefully the house site so quickly and, perhaps rashly, bought In most ways, it was typical of the houses erected in the country a hundred years ago. It needed a lot of money spent on it before it would assume the splendor it deserved. But I needed only one or two rooms. One thing puzzled me. The little attic... Hmm. No key. Why is that? Then? Of course, I want to know what's in there now. Hmm. Give that agent a ring. <laughs> that chance. Wonder why this door should be locked when all the others are open. I started to rearrange the kitchen the next day. I knew instinctively that no good would come of hammering the typewriter. The place was in a terrible state. I cleaned out some cupboards, did a bit of inexpert scrubbing, and then. While I was reaching up to hook a number of miscellaneous objects out of a sort of old-fashioned boy thing in a corner, I accidentally knocked off a shelf, a canister. It opened, and a piece of folded paper fell out, an old piece of paper, brown with age, badly worn and tattered. writing on the paper, it was barely legible. The ink had faded badly, and large sections of the script had been worn or torn away. It was dated over thirty years before, and all that remained of the entire first paragraph beneath the date was Stephen Ladsworth, a young man of twenty-five. And that was all the first paragraph said. Thereafter occurred a puzzling sequence of half-lines, sentences, paragraphs, in this order. To have him tutored in the arts, particularly gifted in pottery-making. Stephen developed a great fondness for his tutor, and under his guidance did the only constructive work of his life. A crude, ugly vase, bilious green in color. Stephen was proud of it kept it on the center of a small table in the living room. Dismissed. Stephen raged for days, and there began a subtle deterioration of a character which had always heretofore been shy and retiring. Ugly metamorphosis, kind of madness in the course of which he would never allow his vase to be moved made his mother promise that it would never be moved under pain of dire punishment, but left to stand where he had put it. Some strange elemental bond seemed to have developed between the young man and his creation. After Stephen's death, Mrs. Lansford was unable to bear the thought of it. Instead, she had the casket sealed, obtained permission from the authorities in the attic. Thereafter, rigid adherence to her promise, stipulation in her will adjuring all future occupants not to move the vase. When a relative came to live in the house after her death, body torn, Rent apart, found beside the table. I will, I know, eventually lift the vase. And that's all. I couldn't make a lot of sense out of it, I must admit. I tried to read to make out the bits that had faded, but it wasn't possible. On the end of the whole thing was a signature. Matthew Hargrove. Suddenly I remembered seeing in the living room, which I hadn't had time to clean, a small table pushed over against the wall with a cloth covering an object of some bulk. <sighs> that would be it, all right. See what they meant in that thing. It is crude. Ugly huh? as sin. Matthew Hargrove. Wonder who he was or is. There was nothing in Uncle's papers about anyone of that name. Matthew Hargrove. Matthew Hargrove.
1: Matthew Hargrove. Are you the young chap that bought the the place?
0: Yes, I. Uh, I expect to be a regular customer here. Hmm.
1: People don't talk much about what happened to that Hargrove man. Used to be Mrs. Longford's lawyer. Wrote up the old woman's will. Oh, queer that was. What about some vase thing her son made? Hmm? Funny things went on after she died, you see. You want anything more than the rain that made, do you?
0: What funny things?
1: Well, there was Reuben Yates. That was her cousin. Came down when she got sick and stayed. You're from the town, aren't you? You don't get to hear about things like we do down here in the country, you see.
0: What happened to Reuben Yeats?
1: Reuben Yeats? Ah, well. They found him next to that table with the vase on it. Said he was torn apart.
0: I see. And and where does Matthew... Hargrove
1: coming. Oh, right after. He was the next one to move into the house. And he was the next one found by the table, too. Same as Robin Yeats. People say that they that saw him got sick in their stomachs for weeks
0: afterwards. And then?
1: No more. Nobody else moved into that house. From then till the day you moved in, nobody.
0: Nobody at all. inference behind Mrs. Calkins, the lady in the village shop's words added to those in the fragmented letter began to take a kind of nagging form in my thoughts. For the rest of that day, I tried to write. I couldn't. No city noises. But there was another distraction now. The vase and the strange story behind it. The living room drew me and I went in. I looked at the ugly thing for a long, long time. And then I stretched out my hand to lift it. Suddenly I remembered Reuben Yates and Matthew Hargrove. <laughs> Come on, Roy. Stop me. But even so, I only lifted the thing a quarter of an inch from the little table. It was about ten seconds later that I heard it. I replaced the vase. How can I describe it? I don't know where it came from. Somewhere in the house, somewhere to be sure. It reminded me of nothing I'd ever heard in the whole of my life before. Silence. ...tilted the vase again. This time the reaction was instantaneous. (laughs) I went and got a brandy and sat down for a while to recover my composure. It was then that I remembered the attic. It took me a long time to summon up the courage, but I had to know. I went back and quickly slipped a penny under the vase on the table... Then I ran upstairs. I got down on my hands and knees and tried to peer through the keyhole. I couldn't see anything. As I was struggling to my feet, I felt a thin current of air across my face. A short, warm draft of air. There was no attic window through which the wind could enter, and the air that struck my face was warm. I bent down again, and this time I put my ear to the keyhole. I felt it again, coming out of the keyhole. But it dried Not a draft at all. What I felt was... breathing. Keep Airwick handy in your home. Airwick is the modern air freshener. It doesn't just mask smells with heavy scent; it actually knocks them right out of the air. Airwick keeps the home sweet, with a country fresh atmosphere in every room. Put Airwick on your shopping list. It comes in economical bottle or up to the minute aerosol. Get Airwick. That's
1: all you have to do. Soak, soak, just for an hour, to you find? Amazing new biotech soaks stubborn, stains away.
0: Clean, clean, everything soon will be clean, clean, for all the world to see. Soak, soak, stains away easily when you use new biotech. Get amazing new biotech today and let soaking do the washing. I did it, I don't know. Even then, something told me I was meddling in things I could never hope to understand. There was something in the house I knew then that could bathe me in the fires of purgatory forever and a day. But I came down the stairs and placed two more coins under the vase, tilting it further. I immediately returned to the attic door. I no longer heard mere breathing through that keyhole from the room beyond. I did not wait long. Something was trying to get out. I removed the coin again from under the vase, and it once more rested as it had done so for thirty years. next day. The memory of that experience preyed on me. I couldn't work. I could hardly bear to be alone. The vase exercised an unholy fascination on me. I was in desperate need of company, and that's why I wrote an invitation to Edward Clayton and asked him to spend a week with me to celebrate my inheritance. He came as I knew he would. We'd been great friends for many years. But for the first three days, I was loath to confide in him. Ah, oh, this could be splendid, Dennis. This room, light, airy. Have to do something with those curtains, of course, but. Uh, and uh, what's this? Go for a long heaven, don't touch that bar. What? Why not? What's down. done? Uh, I'll tell you. Hmm? everything that had happened since I took possession of the house. But he made little effort to conceal his skepticism. Oh, Dennis, come on, man. I mean, you must take me seriously. But granting that what you say is true, what, I mean, what the devil does it mean? I don't know. You read the letter? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, it it just read it in front of you, didn't I, Edward? Promise me, you will not touch that vase. (sighs) But uh, that put me in the position of uh, subscribing to your fears. Please! All right, promise. Scout's honor. (laughs) I need beer, lots of cold, cold beer. Come on, the ghost isn't walking at the moment. He promised without believing. And perhaps the very promise he made was a challenge. Next day, he seemed unable to concentrate. Twice when I spoke to him, he didn't hear me. He in a kind of dream, thinking of something else. I knew what it was. I did everything I could to divert his attention. I read him part of my novel, which had come to a full stop. He listened and made some favorable comments. For a while. But I knew I was not holding his attention. He kept wandering about the house, and inevitably his journeying took him by or into the room where the table and the vase upon it had lived for the past thirty years. The thing seems to fascinate you. Hmm? The vase. Car? Oh, the vase! You <laughs> can't take yes. your eyes off it. I've been watching you. Oh, perhaps will I? All a fairy story. And now? Well, now I'm not so sure. I wonder, don't. Some malignance is associated with that thing. Some bond ties it to something in the attic. What do you I mean, something's linked with it in, in, in space or time. Or in the attic. Or in the attic, yes. If you think so, why haven't you been up there to see It's locked? Well, I couldn't bring myself to break in. There's no time like the present, then, is there? You gain. I, I didn't know. Well, make up your mind. You, you can't just live here with half-truth. You either find out there's something nasty and horrible around, in which case you move out. Or you find out it's all a silly mistake. Lay the ghost and continue writing your book in peace. incidentally, I think your book will be very splendid. Thank you. So. so, let's go and see what's up in the attic. Bring the lamp. Got the lamp? Yes. Coat I think. Danger. I take it that this is Stephen Lansford's coffin his mother had him put here Better than six feet under, eh? <laughs> stare at it like that. No? You're going to rise up out of it, Dennis. Isn't it? No. Oh. Ghoulish not the logs, could they? Let's get out of here. Okay. What are you going to do about uh, this room, attic? I'm going to seal it. Nail it up. I need one. This moaning noise you talked about. Yes. Care to demonstrate? All right. Listen. I'm, I'm all ears. I'm ready for bed. Books come to a dead stop at the moment. Do you know what? If nothing happens with the book I need, by the time you leave, I'll come back to town for a while. If and when I sell my book, if it's published and makes money, maybe I'll have a money. <laughs> <I don't. laughs>
1: what are you doing?
0: Put the vase down! <laughs> I moved towards him. Whereupon he lifted the vase high above his head and backed away, grinning madly. Then we heard the attic door beaten down. Color drained from Edward Clayton's face.
1: Take the bars, Dennis. My God! My God! He dropped
0: the bars and smashed into a hundred pieces. And then the thing was at the door, and the door opened, and it was in the room! Daddy. I didn't wait. I leapt towards the window, and before I crashed through the glass, I half turned. Something had entered that room beyond my ridge of sight, for Edward was hanging limply aloft in mid air. about it then, eh? That's it. Poor Edward. Poor. Poor Edward. <laughs> no, no, steady on. The doctor said you not to get out of bed. You've had a shock. Poor Edward. I told him. I told him. I did, Sergeant. Yes. Yeah. Well, the folks from Bernstrom went up there and there he was just like the others. It was a thing neither you nor any other man could have done. There's one more thing, sir, I'm afraid to have to tell you. They took matters into their own hands. They burned down your house. Took your stuff out first and set fire to the house. Yes, it was just as well. I couldn't have gone back there. Funny thing, though. You said the vase was smashed on the floor. What? When we found it, all the broken pieces were piled together. As neat as you please. Smack in the middle of the table. For this week, you can find more from Beyond Midnight and The Horror at RelicRadio.com, alongside all the other podcasts. If you'd like to help support this and all of The Relic Radio shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Be back again next Saturday with another episode of The Horror.